Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. But they're not kids anymore. They're, they're young adults. <laughs> I'd like you to grab your Bibles tonight if you would. I'd like you to grab two portions. Cody, thank you so much. Appreciate you and Sandra and Angela leading us tonight so much. I'd like you to go to Acts chapter 4. And as you go there, I'd like you to hold your place, and then I'd like you to go to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> I, uh, I have a confession to make tonight. I think I fall in love with the book of Acts every year. <laughs> every year, I fall into the book of Acts, and, and I'm in and out of the book of Acts constantly, and the stories of the resurrection and the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and then the moving of the Spirit upon the church and upon the apostolic church and upon the apostles and, and wonders and signs being released, and God shaking the city of Jerusalem and the gospel going out from Jerusalem and touching lives, it always just shakes me to the core and brings me back to I know who God always intended for us to be. Amen? A supernatural people moving in the power of His Spirit. Amen? And tonight, I'd like you to just hold your place in Acts chapter 4 before we jump into the story. And I want to set the tone tonight in Romans chapter 1. And I'm going to, I'm going to grab one verse tonight, one verse alone, and that's verse 16. Some of you may be very familiar with Romans 1.16, and I actually hope that you are very familiar with Romans 1.16. And I, I, as I turn to this passage, I, I always have this fond memory of uh, years ago, my, <laughs> my wife and I were scheduled to go to Sao Paulo, Brazil to minister with some friends, and we had it on the books, and everything was moving forward for this outreach that we were doing, that we were a part of. We were part of a huge crusade, and, and um, a friend of mine had called me, and I won't go into all the details, but he invited us to go to Italy with him to minister, and it was over the exact same dates, and I said, wow, you know, I, I, I really got to pray about this. You know, we're already scheduled to be in Sao Paulo, and I, I really need to hear a word from the Lord. And, and uh, my friend, as he was, he was like, well, then get a word from the Lord. That's just how he said it. <laughs> he said, get a word from the Lord. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And so we hung up, and, and I went in. I shared with my wife. I said, man, uh, Don called and invited us to Italy and took her, just took her through the whole story. And, and uh, I said, man, I got, I got to get a word from the Lord. And basically, my wife said the same thing. We'll go get a word from the Lord. <laughs> so I went into the office, and I started praying. I do not, I, I promise you, I do not recommend that you get a word from the Lord like this. I've never done it before or since. But I said, Father, I, I need a word from you. I need a word from you. And uh, I just threw open my Bible to Romans chapter 1. And suddenly, my, my eyes fell upon this verse. And I think many of you could quote Romans 1.16, but you probably couldn't quote Romans 1.15. And Paul says, and, and as, as much as with, that is within me, I am now ready to preach the gospel to you who are, who are in Rome also. And, and this... <laughs> I'm telling you, when I read the verse... Fire from the Lord, it just exploded in my spirit. And I started laughing. I said, Lord, come on. I mean, come on. Like, like, and I knew it was him. I'm like, Lord, I've never gotten a word from you like this. And again, I'm not, this is this is pastoral. <laughs> I don't recommend that you just throw open your Bible and I need a word. And they, you know, and Judas hung himself. Oh God, oh God. <laughs> you know, you know, you know I, mean? <laughs> I, I do not recommend that. And so um, I, I went in and I told my wife, and I'm laughing. I said, honey, I know I've just received a word. And so I'm trying to explain it to her, and I'm laughing. I said, but there was, some, there was some things that I had put before the Lord that was mandatory for us to go to Italy. And uh, after I got done telling her, the phone rang, and it was my friend that had invited us to go minister in Italy with him. And, 
And he's like, did you get a word from the Lord yet? I mean, <laughs> it's been 10 minutes. It's like, it literally, it had been about 10 minutes. And uh, I said, actually, I just did. And I'm in shock. And I told him. And then he said, good. I figured you'd get that word. And he said, by the way. And he said three things quickly to me. And they were the three things I told my wife we have to have. You remember, honey that we have to have to go to Italy. And he said, I didn't tell you that when I invited you, but I called you back to tell you this is what I'm going to do. And it was everything that we needed. And so isn't God good? It's fun. Every time I, uh, amen. I want to encourage you with that tonight. It encourages my soul. It encourages my faith. I want to encourage you with that. If you're going to throw open your Bible, please throw it open in the New Testament. <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm thinking about circumcision and Gilgal right now. <laughs> I'm just like, don't get me nervous. <laughs> okay, anyway, we're moving right along tonight in the Word. So anyway, let's... <laughs> Let's set the tone for tonight. Romans 1.16. And again, I pray this is so familiar to you, but perhaps if it's not, go out and get a tattoo on your back of it tonight. So for Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first And also for the Greek. One more time. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Now I want you to let your eyes just roll upon those words one more time. And this is what I want you to hear, and I want you to write, write this down tonight if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, write it down. Amen. I'm just going to keep encouraging you tonight. <laughs> I want you to let your eyes roll across it, and this is what I want to submit to you tonight. And, and maybe you've seen it in the text, or maybe you haven't yet. But the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. This is what our hearts has to be renewed. Our heart and mind has to be renewed to to this right here. That the gospel is the power of God. I submit to you that we need such an awakening, an awakening and a revival of the preaching the preaching of the power of the gospel to transform cities and nations in this hour. That is what we need because the gospel is the power of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is not absent of the power of God. God is not off making world somewhere busy. No, 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 no. His Holy Spirit is in the earth who is the only God on planet earth. And his power is in the gospel. So this is, this is where I want to lay the foundation tonight. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the, the words of the Apostle Paul. I'm not ashamed. For it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. I want to take you into a story right now. Just flip on over to Acts chapter 4. We're going to go into this magnificent story tonight. I want to speak to you tonight on silent no more. Silent no more. Silent no more. And now as they spoke to the people and the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached In Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, they laid hands on them. Now, for all you charismatics, you need to understand that they didn't come and laid hands on them to bless them and pray for them and start a fire tunnel. No, they laid hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day. That means they were incarcerated. Do you understand that? 
They were taken and they were incarcerated. However, many of those who heard the word, they believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Now, before we read on, we know that we just stepped out of a story from a gate called Beautiful where a lame man had been laying there all throughout his life. He was carried there, placed at the gate, and every single day he cried out for alms and cried cried out for favor and for blessing from people. And Peter and John were coming through the gate. And we remember the words of the apostle Peter. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And they took him by the hand and immediately he was healed. And the Bible says that he went leaping and walking and jumping and praising God. And the city went wild. A miracle, a miracle, a wonder, and the city went wild. So now we step into chapter 4, and now Peter and John, they've, they've been arrested. Um, it, it's, it's, it, see, the, the book of Acts does a number to us because, see, we, we think that everyone should be celebrating miracles. But in their time, people, people weren't ecstatic about a miracle. They weren't excited about a miracle. They were taken and they were arrested. Now, you think about these things. Sometimes we read these things and we just keep them in the Scriptures. Huh. Okay. Okay, I'm trying you on. I'm trying you on. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers and the elders and the scribes, as well as Anaz the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and many that were of the family of the high priest, they were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them all in the midst, they asked him, by what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers and people and elders of Israel, if this day, if this day are judged by a good deed done to help a help done to help a helpless man, by what means uh, I'm so sorry. I'm stumbling over my words because my Bible is so marked up and written and highlighted and circled. By what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel and that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man stands before you whole. Whoo! This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men can be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Those are powerful words. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council and confer among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, this is a notable miracle that has been done through them, and it's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Ah, oh, I love that. But so that it spreads no further among the people let us severely threaten them. And from now on, speak to no man in this name. So they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old 
whom had this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. By the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain? And the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, hear this, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. With all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31. Are you still with me? Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place that they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and they spoke the word with boldness glory to god isn't this awesome i love the book of acts this is our story this is our story this is our family this is our inheritance this is our legacy we are intertwined with this family right here. Mm. See, throughout the book of Acts, after the resurrection, there was such intense persecution. As you study the book of Acts, I know many of you have, and many of you are studying it again, once again, this year as I am. There was such intense chasing, the, the hunters were hunting down the apostles. They were hunting down the church. They were hunting down the followers of Jesus. And I want you to hear this tonight. They were religious leaders, and they were political leaders. They were chasing them down to do these things. There was religious leaders, and there were political leaders that were chasing the church down, the apostles down, to do a number of things. What did they want to do? First of all, they wanted to silence them. You need to hear this tonight. They wanted to silence them. They wanted to threaten them. They wanted to imprison them. And many ended up being killed for their faith. Uh, again, I have to insert this in. The gospel is the power of God. Because the gospel was being preached, because the gospel was being decreed and declared, and because signs and wonders were following the preaching of the gospel, because it is a gospel of power, and it is the gospel of glory. That when God pours out His Spirit, when the gospel is preached, glory comes upon that word with signs and wonders. And this should be the norm. Amen? But political leaders and religious leaders, they were hunting down the apostles. They were, they were hunting down anyone that was connected to the church that was now emerging because of those who had been with Jesus and had tangibly been with Jesus, had ate with him, handled him, sat around, and now their hearts were burning and they were relentless and they were fearless and they were moving now in power. They were being sought out. They wanted to silence them. What did they want to do? They wanted to threaten them. They wanted to imprison them. See, Brent and I have stood in the city of Rome. We've been to the Colosseum where Nero persecuted the Christians by making a spectacle of them. They took Christian families and they burned them at the stake. Men, 
women, children. They took Christian families and they nailed them to crosses. They tied Christians to chariots and the chariots went both ways to tear their bodies in two. They took Christians and fed them to lions and beasts to silence them. And according to what we know through history in A.D. 64, and, and, and when you hear that, I want, I want to set that tone because A.D. 70, something happened that Jesus prophesied would happen, and that was the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. He said not one stone would be left upon another. He said, but you give me three days and it'll rise again. But in A.D. 70, we know that Jerusalem was ransacked by the Romans. But what was happening in A.D. 64 at this time was the Christians were growing and growing in the influence of the kingdom within Rome. And Nero gathered them together and were told through history that many believed that Nero believed that the Christians were responsible for it. But if you study history... Here's the truth. It's not so much that they were charged for burning down the city of Rome. Here's their charge. And this is historically accurate. They were charged with hating the human race. Put it in your notes tonight and do your study. It's the truth. They were charged, Christians were charged in Rome for hating the human race. How did that happen? It happened because they were speaking truth. And they were crying out against the sins of Rome. And Rome sought to silence them. Wow. See, the preaching of the gospel is hostile in a sinful environment. Are you with me? The preaching and the declaration of the gospel is hostile in an atmosphere that is full of indulgence and sin and corruption and lawlessness and wickedness. And the moment that you step out to declare the power of the gospel and the power of who Jesus is, you need to understand you, you can't get offended with God. You have to understand this is all part of the process and no one's exempt from it. There is a backlash and there is a fierce force of backlash that will come against believers who declare the gospel. It's, it's not that you're not nice enough. It's not that you don't have a great personality. It's not that you don't smile enough. It's not that you're, you're not kind enough. no. It is a spirit that comes against the sons and daughters of God when they begin to proclaim it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're going to go some places tonight. And I, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again tonight. But my, my goal tonight is not to be provocative. But my goal tonight is to be very open and to be very real. And I, I do recognize that some of you may be offended at, at what I say. And uh, I, I have long ago forgot about the fantasy that everyone's going to like me, everyone's going to applaud me, everyone's going to be my friend, and the world's just going to be great. Are you with me? Even in the church. See, <clears throat> we are in an hour of a cultural avalanche of morality. And the church, the answer is not to bury our head in the sand and act like we're uninformed. Our answer is to take the power of God, which is the gospel. To take the power of God, which is the gospel, and go and set men and women's souls free and loose them from prison bars and chains by declaring the power of the Word of God. When you speak clearly in love, but in authority, the Word of God, you will break people out of their prisons. 
I could pass this mic around right now, and if we were brave enough, we could share the uncensored version of our testimonies and really tell the truth about the prisons that God brought us out of. Because there is power in the gospel. We cannot start being bashful and ashamed and backing up because the world is coming, ladies and gentlemen, at you full force. Are you with me tonight? See, you and I are the church. You and I are the bride of Christ. We we are the body of Christ in the earth, and we cannot... Remain silent in an hour right now in America where hardly anyone can blush over their sins. We cannot be a people who refuse to say what the Word of God says. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Right now, in my estimation, we are in a time of turbulence and persecution in the America in the American church right now. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in America. In my estimation, I think the persecution against the church is somewhere between ankle and knee deep. But I'm going to tell you something. The water is rising. The water is significantly rising. The hostility against Christians, all things that are Christian, Christianity. I'm telling you, folks, the water of hostility and opposition and persecution against the church, the waters are rising. But what is very sobering to me, remember the good news in the front of this. The gospel is the power of God. Remember this. What what concerns me when I sit alone in the privacy of my home, and I pray and I speak to God about this hour and this generation and the church in this hour, what shakes me in the core of where I'm at is how weak the church is in in waters between ankle to knee deep of backlash and persecution. And we have become afraid of just saying plainly, plainly, what the Word of God says. We're afraid of it. We're afraid to say that something is sin. I I sat with a pastor in this very city a year ago who is no longer in ministry any longer. I, I sat with him, a pastor in this city, and, and they were moving into the LGBTQ uh, agenda rapidly, rapidly marching in the LGBTQ parades and, and doing all of their stuff. And I went to them, submitted, you know, the word of God to them with another dear pastor in the city. And I came at them with the word of God to bring clarity to where they were. And, and by the end of that meeting, I said to them, and I did not have this written in my journal. It was by the Holy Spirit. I said, I want to ask you, where will you be a year from now? Where will you be a year from now? Will you be, as a church, will you be marrying men to men and women to women? Tell me where you will be a year from now. And here was their answer. They said, we've cut down a whole lot of religious trees in the forest. And if that's a tree that we need to cut down, we will. That pastor's no longer in ministry. And I'm praying for him. But you know what? I asked him, I said, is homosexuality a sin? He says, I refuse to say that. He says, we tend to say that homosexuality is unhealthy. And what else? It's unhealthy. It's not God's best. Well, I would agree that it's unhealthy. I believe that. I'm not being funny. I believe that. I believe it's unhealthy. I I, I believe it's hurtful. It's harmful. But I also know through the Scripture that it is a sin. And not only is it, a, is it a sin, it is an abomination unto God. 
We need to tell people in love, in love, but in the fear of the Lord, this is a sin, and it is an abomination unto God. In the fear of the Lord, tell them in love. You can't get away from it, folks. And it's amazing how the church cowers in fears and backtracks. They backtrack so much, they're afraid to lose their influence or lose their platforms and lose what they have. And the reason is, is because there is a major warfare in every state of the United States right now against the church. Are you with me tonight? See, I believe that you know that we are in a time in the world where the world is literally demanding compromise. The world is demanding conformity. The world is demanding that you hush. The world is demanding that the church be silent. It's amazing. I mean, Christian owners are fighting just to keep the doors of their businesses alive. This is what has been going on in the last decade throughout your news feed and your newspapers over and over again. Now think about that. If you were a business owner sitting in this room just trying to fight for the life of your business to stay alive and doors open because you are being ambushed by a movement because they demand your conformity and they demand your compromise. about it right now there are spirits that are demanding nations to bow down to this uncleanness and what's really freaky is that nations are doing it isn't it it's quiet in here it's got real quiet maybe that's really good There's a new normal going on in America, but it's not my new normal. I'll stand up here alone if I have to. It's not my new normal. I refuse this new normal that is aggressively being put against us. I refuse it. I refuse to get acquainted with a culture that is rivaling Sodom and Gomorrah. I refuse it. And America needs to be told. America needs to be told in power and in love that God destroyed that culture of people that were ruthless in their sexuality and that we are to flee from that level of uncleanness and lust. Are you with me? Soon after... My first book was released, Unstoppable and Unquenchable Fire. I was, I was asked to speak at a mega church of many thousand people. And I brought a word forth that day. And I began to speak about the cultural things that we are engaged in right now that God abhors. And I began to speak about how God hates abortion and how God hates homosexuality, destroying the lives of our children and our nation. I remember soon after that being brought into a room and reprimanded for speaking what I spoke to those thousands of people, reprimanded, and I was, I was told these words. I was told, you are not allowed to talk about abortion and homosexuality from this pulpit because they are political issues. And I want to tell you something, folks. They're not political issues. They are biblical, moral issues that we've got to speak to. We've got to speak to it. And we've got to speak to it pro properly. Properly. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> a few months ago, I, I might have told this story. A few months ago, I had a real prominent pastor in America, very well-known nationally known, 
internationally actually known, but we were on a private phone call, and he shared with me through tears that he had recently repented to the Lord after 40 years of ministry. He had only spoken about abortion one time in the history of his ministry. And he said this through tears to me on the phone. He actually just began to just renounce what he had done and just began to cry as I listened and repented unto the Lord. We're in a serious time, folks. We cannot be silent any longer. We cannot be silent. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, have you ever heard of him? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor. He was an anti-Nazi dissident. I wrote about him at length in my book, Bold as Lions. He was one of the first people to stand up and denounce Hitler, denounce the Third Reich, denounce the Nazi regime. He was chased by the Gestapo. He had to run for his life. At that time in his life, he was overseeing a school of theology. He was mentoring pastors. He was mentoring ministers, and his life was in danger, and he was on the run. I've read stories about the Gestapo chasing Bonhoeffer and his team of pastors through a forest along a river, and they found an old abandoned building. And when they, you think of this, and they got, they got into the building and finally realized that the Gestapo was gone, and they broke open their Bibles by candlelight once again to begin to go over the Scriptures and pour over the Scriptures and to prepare themselves for that hour to preach the Gospel. I, I, see, I don't know what that does to you. It does something to me. Because these men and Bonhoeffer They were under such enormous pressure for their very lives, a political pressure, a religious pressure, in every a a military pressure, a, a, a force that none of us could ever imagine a perfect storm like that coming against our very existence and our very lives. And there they were on the run, fleeing for their lives, yet breaking open the scriptures, preparing themselves to preach and teach. Bonhoeffer was the one who stood up against the church that was falling into apostasy. Half the church in Nazi Germany believed that the kingdom of God was literally coming through Adolf Hitler. You think about that. You think about the level of apostasy and and the, and the spirit that actually gets on people that causes them to become that delusional. And you think, ha, see, we, we think about that in history. That wasn't that long ago. Think of that. It wasn't that long ago. That level of delusion, that strong delusion that came from Satan was totally warping the church so bad they fell into apostasy and heresy. And yet... Dietrich Bonhoeffer was denouncing the heresy in the church and calling them up out of it. He was one to stand and testify that the church was falling away and you could not be silent. He openly denounced Hitler. He openly denounced the Third Reich. Wow. These are the words of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and this is right out of his book, The Cost of Discipleship. You need to put it in your notes tonight. I encourage you to go to Google, find the book, and buy it. The Cost of Discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes these words, and they're words that we've got to consider tonight. He said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. And God will not hold us guiltless. He said, not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Are you with me? Silence in the face of evil, it's evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. See, listen, I want to tell you, Everybody's in a very personal struggle with what is happening in our culture. 
I had a, a dear friend of mine call me even today about what is happening in their church states away and that the leadership is dealing with it and, and this, this family has come in and it's just, it's wreaked havoc on the church and their young child is sexually confused and, and their, their little boy wants to be a little girl and he, he's dressed up in all the rainbow stuff and he's invading the space of all of the little children. And my dear friend who called me today said, Brian, I, I brought my kids to kids church and this kid is in there and, and my, my son came to me after service and, and he said, Dad, Dad, I, he, he was shaken. He said, Dad, this, this other child invaded my space. He got too close. He, he broke my boundaries. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We, as parents, we're, we're teaching our kids boundaries. We're teaching what is your space, what you have authority over. When people break your boundaries, it's inappropriate. They're not supposed to touch you in the wrong places. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so they had trained their kids, but his son came to him and said, Dad, he broke my boundaries and, and, was, and was in my space. And I told him, I, listen, I don't want you breaking my space. And that, that child said, I don't care about your space and grabbed a hold of my friend's son and started licking his face. And through tears today on the phone, this father said to me, Brian, this, this is that aggressive, gross spirit that wants and desires our nation. This is what it is. This is that milit militant, gross, aggressive, perverted spirit that is after the very soul of our nation. And we're dealing with it right in the church. Folks, we need the power of God. We need the power of the gospel we need the power of the gospel. That's why Jesus commissioned us to go forth and cast out demons. We can be nice, we can be sweet, but if we do not deal with the root of the issue, if we do not deal with it, woe to us. A great reformer, his name is Martin Luther King Jr. Here's his words. He said, to ignore evil is to become an accomplice to it. And I'm telling you, this is a warning to the church even now. And I'm not talking about just victory at Sarah. So it's a warning to the church. There, there is an evil, ladies and gentlemen, that is way beyond the scales of the Holocaust. And I take nothing away from that. But there is an evil pervading the earth right now that has taken just in our nation over 60 million souls. This is a spirit that we're up against. Do you understand that? There is a present vile evil right now. There is a perversion right now that is rivaling biblical Sodom and Gomorrah. Right here in our country. And God destroyed them because of their debauchery. God destroyed them because of their debauchery. Because of their aggressive militant filth of homosexuality. They literally had become sexual beast. You read the scriptures. We find ourselves like walking this, this tightrope. We want to love people, but yet if you don't tell people the truth, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit. Oh, how we need a true outpouring revival in America. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 12. Jeremiah says these words. He said, he asked a question. He said, were they ashamed when they committed these abominations, he said, no, they weren't at all ashamed, nor did they even know how to blush. <sighs> These are powerful words. See, we need an awakening, folks, that will literally awaken the conscience and the soul of a nation. We need, we need a move of the Spirit that will awaken the conscience and the very soul of a nation. 
In Psalm 119, verse 53, are the scriptures behind me tonight? It says, horror has taken hold upon me because the wicked have forsaken your law. The wicked have forsaken your law. See, I have to be honest. See, I, I sit and I talk to God about this. And I say, God, where is the church in this hour? Where, where, where is the humility that is needed in this hour? Where, where, where is the sting of shame of what is going on in our country? Why is the church not weeping? You know, really, it, this is a real question. This is, this is not to elicit, you know, strong response. I, I'm asking a real question. Why is the church not weeping? Why, why is it that altars can barely be packed at an altar call when you call people just to come forward and pray for the country? I mean, I, I, I lived through 9-11, I watched it live. I watched the buildings fall down. I watched our church pack out for months and then across the nation. You see what I'm saying? Folks, listen, another crisis ain't going to help us. But an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to wash and cleanse and purify a nation is our only hope. Are we calling on the Lord for forgiveness for our nation? I'm asking real questions. Are we seeking for the presence of God to heal our land? Why aren't we praying? Why aren't we praying strong? Why aren't we praying bold? Why aren't we before the Lord with fierce hunger and thirst? We need awakening, ladies and gentlemen. It's sad because America can barely blush. I mean, we're, we're in a time, and I was sitting in Washington, D.C. the other day with my wife. And while we were eating, I didn't want to draw any attention to it because Brent and I were having such a good time. But the news was coming up, these, these new uh, news advertisements. They just kept changing behind this big screen behind my wife. And we were in a large place where we were eating and I kept seeing these, these signs being changed, and the sign changed, and it said, out and proud. And it, it had these men, ah, uh, yeah. See, I, I, I'm gripped, I'm gripped with where our nation is going. And, and I ache on the inside. I hurt on the inside for the church. I hurt on the inside for this nation. And I thank God, where are we going? God, help us. God, help us. John Adams, who is one of our founding fathers... He said our Constitution was, listen to these words, it was, it was made only for a moral and religious people. Think of that. Think of that. Our Constitution was, was only made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any others. Do you know why there is such an abomination of an outcry against our Constitution? <laughs> well, there, there it is. It's because we're not a moral people. That's why there is such an upheaval against the Constitution, because America is an immoral people who are celebrating their immorality and their lawlessness and corruption. Folks, the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel has to be thundered throughout this land by churches that are 
unashamed by pulpits, but it's not just about the pulpits. It has to be the believers and the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are not ashamed and will not be silenced. I want to encourage someone in this room. You cannot be ashamed. You cannot be ashamed of the gospel. You cannot be ashamed to stand with Jesus. You cannot be ashamed to stand on the authority of God's word. There are going to come times in your life where you you will have to stand alone. And it happens to everyone in here, sir, ma'am. There will come a time where you have to stand alone right there on the Word and say, the Word of God is my final authority and I stand with God. I will not become complicit. I will not become compliant. I will not compromise. I will not move in this conformity. I am standing here with the Lord. Thomas Jefferson, ever heard of him? The third U.S. president and the signer of the Declaration of the Independence. Listen to what he warned. He warned this. He said, God who gave us life and liberty, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed the only firm basis? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift from God. That they are not to be violated. They are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. See, we need to drill down deep into the core of where we're really at in our families, in our community, as a church, as a city and a nation. We need to get real about this, and we need to get real focused. We need to get real focused. Our city has to have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Our city has to experience the power of God being released with power and signs and wonders in the proclamation of Jesus. It has to. Some of you weren't around in 2009. And I remember 2009, and I remember the LGBTQ had Sarasota on its map. They were strategizing of moving things out of New Orleans down here to Sarasota, and they were boistering a transgender mayor that almost became the mayor of this city in 2009. And in that time, we were praying strong. Many were praying strong. Many were on a prayer watch, friends of ours, declaring this will not be so in our nation or in our city. And we prayed it, and we fasted over it, and we prayed, and we spoke it, we declared it, and you know what? The door was shut to that individual. It happened, didn't it, sweetie? And you know what? A lot of the repercussions that could have come to this very city from New Orleans, the door was shut to it. Let's make a commitment together as a family. Let's make this commitment that we're not just after having good church services. But we have to be a people who encounter a genuine, true move of God in power that has the ability to transform a city and region. Amen? If I had the time tonight, I would, I would go the distance. But I want to share something out of Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. And you know what? As I, as I think about the prophets, and I think uh, so many of you reached out to me, and, and many that, weren't, are, that aren't here tonight reached out to me that were here last week about my, my message on the prophet Amos last week. 
But study the prophet Ezekiel, who was a major prophet. Israel was far from God, and they were, they were proud. They were lewd. We know about this in this hour, don't we? They were proud. They were lewd. Their leaders had become ravenous wolves. They were abusing their God-given power. This is what God says about them. Israel had forsaken God. The nation was just completely backslid, and it kept getting worse. And in Ezekiel 22, I'll just grab this verse right now, but in verse 4, it says that God, God says, I've made you a reproach unto the heathen and a mocking to all the countries. Here, here they were, the people of God that was called, marked by God to make a difference in the nations. But he says, you've become a reproach even unto the heathen and a mocking to all the countries. Wow. Wow. I'm going to give you a snapshot for a moment. In Ezekiel 22, put it, put it in your notes tonight. You may want to read it in your private time this week. This is what was happening. There was, there was idolatry. There was bloodshed. There was corruption in the institutions of every pillar of government. The officials, the government officials were corrupted. There was immorality. Mothers and fathers were forsaking their own children. There was corruption in business and taxes. There was extortion and greed. And there was a defiance of God. There was a defiance of the very word of God. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds very familiar. But the land had actually become defiled because of these sins. The priests in Ezekiel's day were literally distorting the word. And they were leading the nation into error. I'm going to say that again. The priests were distorting the word of God. And they were leading the nation into error. I want you to look this way for a second. I, I have a friend who last year spoke a very bold, and he's known internationally and nationally. If I said his name, of course, everybody in here would say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know him. I love him. And I love him too, dearly, dearly. And last year, after speaking boldly concerning where our nation is at, he, a week later, had to backtrack and tell everybody that he was sorry, and he even apologized to the LGBTQ community for not being sensitive to their needs, and that they would retract and remove that video from their church because it offended them. And he went on the record of saying that homosexuality is it's unhealthy, but wasn't no longer even to admit it was a sin. I want to tell you something, folks. See, that's a distortion of the Word of God. And when you do that, as a leader, you're leading people into error. That's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. You're leading people into error. God didn't want to send judgment. Do you, do you know that God always does everything he can to avert judgment? He does it in our lives, in all of our lives. And really, that's the power of the gospel too. And that's why he sent Jesus, so he could avert judgment upon the world. God was always trying to avert judgment. And in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, he said, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Gosh. Gosh. That's strong, isn't it? It's strong. The prophet Jeremiah in his time, these are his words. Jeremiah, he says, I run to and fro throughout the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in open places, if you can find just a man, if there is anyone who executes judgment and seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. And he's speaking of the nation. Listen to that again. If there's anyone who will execute judgment and who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. See, I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job tonight, and I don't know if you're with me, but I'm going to tell you something. In this hour... God is seeking a legit church. 
that is seeking what he really desires and what he's looking for. He's looking for a people who is seeking righteousness to be put on display. He is seeking for a people who desire truth and will speak truth, who will speak truth and not back up, but will declare the truth and be willing to pay the price for telling the truth in a hostile environment. Are you with me tonight? I believe that some individuals in this room, because it depends on obedience. It depends on obedience. I believe some individuals in this room are going to be raised up as mighty messengers and ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Now, where God will take you, if he takes you into schools, if he takes you into families or government, if he takes you into media, if he takes you into the courts, you will be sent to those gateways to shape our culture. The only way to shape this culture is to take the power of the word of God set in love. It's not complicated, folks. It's not complicated. And we need to stop making it complicated we need to take the word of God and declare it in love and the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Ghost will back up your words and there will be weightiness and authority and power released through your mouth and it will hit people's life. It'll hit their lives. And at that point, they will only have two choices. They will either defy you or they will bow their knee to the Lord Jesus. There's no other options. There's no other options. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what would revival look like in this generation? I think about that a lot, and I'm closing. What would revival, what would awakening look like in this generation? I believe revival will look like abortion being abolished from America. I think about that a lot. My wife and I will often say to one another in prayer, and walking through the house or just talking, in our lifetime we will see abortion abolished from the United States of America. It's our declaration. It's our declaration. We're going to see the Lord sweep through these perverted movements. And we're going to see a harvest of souls like we've never dreamed where God will sweep in and deliver and bring wholeness and power through the power and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's what revival will look like. It'll look like the Supreme Court being cleansed and purified and us having God-fearing, righteous men and women sitting in those seats of authority And coming into align, alignment and alliance with the word of God, once again saying, as a nation, we will honor the Lord our God. That's what it's going to look like. That's what it's going to look like. Mm. It's going to look like college campuses. College campuses being reformed from secularism and, dare I say, socialism. We're going to see a move of God on the campuses and the universities of the United States of America. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. We're going to be part of it. You're going to be part of it. You're going to be part of it.
we're going to be part of it. I want to encourage you to pray big prayers in this hour for our country. I want you to pray big prayers for your lives and your families and for the call of God that's on your lives. I want you to pray big prayers that God would move in your life in such a way that you would so burn with holy fire in this hour, that you would burn, that you would be pure before God. You would be a pure vessel of holiness carrying the gospel of power in your soul, in your mouth, in your spirit, that God can raise you up to be a voice and a demonstration of the power of God for this hour, for this generation. See, I'm under a conviction, and here's the conviction. God is counting on you and me. God is counting on us. God is counting on his body. He is counting on his church. He is counting on his bride in this hour. This is our time. This is our generation. As me and Bren were in Washington, D.C., another dear friend of ours was there, Dutch Sheets. And Dutch was before the Lord praying for clear strategy. But he was going specifically because he's under a mandate from a word from God in this hour. We are in a war, but we must win this war. We must. We cannot accept any level of defeat. We must win this war. And this will require a people who will get aggressive. It will require a people who will get aggressive, who will be alert. You can't go through this thing casual. You can't go through it dull. You can't insulate your life from the level of warfare that it's going to require to bring change and reformation. You can't do it. You have to be willing to get in the midst of the mess and begin to declare with love and with truth and with power and with anointing the Word of God. I'm going to end with Paul's words. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. To the Jew first and also the Greek. Amen. Would you stand tonight? Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.